Welcome to That's a Wrap, episode number 17. Today we are talking about film theory for the win or what the fuck um, <laughs> FTW or WTF. That's our official title for the day. Um, we've decided to tackle a pretty, <laughs> a pretty big subject, a very big subject. We're going to try to do it in an hour. So um, I suspect we'll have follow-ups to this in later episodes. Sure. I, I, you know, we'll probably be doing it every every two or three episodes. But oh yeah, yeah figure we'd do a um, you know, give it a shot today. So um, first of all, we'll do pickups. So I am Eric Marshall, and I am Nick Schlegel, and I am Chris Gullen. And we're three guys with PhDs who like to talk about film and culture and other stuff. It's been a while, guys. What, what you been up to? Anything good? Um, things are, uh, things are chugging along. It's a new semester and, uh, just doing the old teaching and research and that's pretty much it. Watching, uh, some TV, watching some, uh, movies and, um, that's about it. I got, there's a bunch of stuff opening this year that I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh. Really looking forward to the Oscars. Really looking forward to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this I think this year's, uh, you know, all the controversy and incendiary language is just going to make it more dramatic than it normally is. So that should be interesting to see. And uh, that's about it. You know, it's just hanging out here in the the the, the deep freeze. Yes. And um, none of us had school today, so we all had the day off. And uh, people, if if there's anybody listening to to us from Minnesota or Wisconsin or Alaska, you're probably laughing that we canceled schools for 20 below, but that's probably old hat for you guys, but uh, it's a little nippy here. So other than that, I'm doing really well, doing really well. Nick, how are you doing? I am also doing well. Um, What's been going on with me lately? Yeah, you know, pretty much the same thing you said, Chris, a new semester, you know, ridiculous amounts of driving and ridiculously bad weather is made for a ridiculously horrid start to the new year. Uh, plus, you know, sickness and other other diseases and plagues. And, you know, when you teach at one university with, I don't know what Wayne has, uh, 38, 35, 38,000 students and another one with 25,000 students, you're just constantly passing each other each other's colds and stuff. I mean, it's just inescapable. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of been the start for all of us, really. It's just, you know, I mean, a record-setting, you know, amount of snow, coldest January, all this stuff going on, you know, in, in Detroit, which is making things pretty miserable, you know. Uh, but, of course, it's crippled the Midwest and the North and parts of the Actually, the whole country. They're yeah. they're feeling it down in um, Florida. Yeah, right? they're having, uh, um, as I understand, yeah, real bad ones. I saw it all over the news today. Um, but I'm, I'm working on my book slowly but surely. My my goal is to sort of pick away at it um, in this winter term, and then in the spring term devote go up to working about half time on it, and then 
I imagine I'm going to have a summer break there where I'm going to be completely unemployed for like six or seven weeks, which is be probably the, you know the home stretch. I can slide into home plate and deliver it to the to Scarecrow, and hopefully in the fall, and then bang, we'll just have a big fat you know uh, book release party, <laughs> get properly sounds- snoggered. That's about it, you know. I, mean, I too, Chris, have been watching a lot of TV. I'm been lately since I've been sick. I've been in bed watching Game of Thrones, getting caught up on that because the fourth season starts in March. So Eric, I finally, finally in the season three, and I've not been disappointed. <laughs> no, it's a it's a good series for sure. I'm actually um, running through the wire for the third time we're in season four um i might have been doing that last time we recorded too but uh yeah so we're in season four which is really good season i had forgotten just how good it is but yeah doing that and then over over break i tried to see as many films as possible by the way sorry i want to interject something i think metacritic gave the wire season four a perfect score of 100 which like you never see Wow. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. We should do an episode sometime entitled Why the Wire is the Best Television Show Ever Made. Oh, yeah. I'm all, <laughs> I'm all for it, man. Just, let, let, let's, let's just like plan that. Yeah, that could just be the title. That would, that would, you to watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I try to see – my, my goal going into winter break was to see as many th- – uh, movies in the theater as possible and i did a pretty good job i saw a lot of movies over the over the course of the uh of the break and uh, even after break and then when the um when the oscar nominations came out a couple weeks ago uh, i had seen six of the ten best picture nominees so i'm ahead of where i usually am this time of year where it's usually like one Two maybe right, so um, pretty excited. I, I don't know if I'm excited, but I'm I'm happy to have seen those. There are a couple that are on my list. Um, the very top of my list to see still is her. I still haven't seen her yet, but um, I still have to see Captain Phillips and Dallas Buyers Club. Have you seen Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, oh, yeah. damn, because I really want to go see that. Chris will have to go see it. I, yeah, we'll yeah. have to go see. I really want to see it as well. I've been hearing really good things about her. Mm-hmm. Me too, but I like to, you know, yeah. Hopefully, we'll we'll have seen maybe in a couple of weeks. We'll have all three of us will have seen one or two of them, and we can talk about, you know, maybe do a feature. I would, I, I could, we could do a feature on Wolf of Wall Street if you guys wanted to. I think there's enough to talk about there. Okay. Um, there probably probably is for her as well. I've I, I haven't seen it yet. Um, but um, yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. That would be cool, Eric, because we already did our, our Gravity episodes, and you know, yeah, awesome. And that's in yeah, there. I'd be cool with yeah. that. Yeah, I think so. Um, we could do each of them if you want. I mean, we can go through it depending on how many we can see. Um, Dallas Buyers Club, I thought I had missed, but now it's now that it's nominated, it's it's showing again around town. So that's that's good news. So yeah, I saw Wolf of Wall Street, Twelve Years a Slave, Nebraska, Gravity, and American Hustle. Those are the ones I've seen of the Best Picture, and. Um, yeah, so that was cool. I really liked Nebraska a lot, actually. That was uh, one of my favorites. But uh, so yeah, so that's been my life. And then uh, these these snow days, I, I I can't get a rhythm going at all. You know, in terms of teaching, I just you know I, I had a my class canceled today, and it's a one day a week class for twelve weeks, and and we've missed two of the four week first the first four <laughs> weeks. You know, so we have it now. It's a ten-week class. I don't know. I don't know how I'm gonna. It's insane. Yeah, I know. I, I had. I went to two of my. You know, I have a Monday night class, and our 
it just meets once a week and uh, the first day was canceled and then we had MLK day. And so we're, yeah, we're, the students are feeling a bit disconnected because in the yeah, month, very much twice, so. you know, very much so. Yeah. And at, at Lawrence tech, we, um, our semester started, um, a little later, a week after, I think most of the other schools, we didn't start till the 13th. So it, we didn't have the snow days per se, but when you, when you start a little bit later, you're trying to get a groove going, and then you get yeah. another another snow day. It just <laughs> yeah. kind of it, it sounds like we're having the same problem, but just wallops you, yeah. just delayed a little bit, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, that's that's it for me. Um, otherwise, I don't have just not much to update at the moment. Just trying to. Just it, we're all you in survival know, mode, I think. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think that's basically what it is. We're just trying to survive this thing. One thing I'll share with uh, our, our uh, legions of fans out there is, um, for those who've been listening, know that I'm a I'm an avid movie memorabilia collector. I've been doing it for um, well, I started collecting comics at a very young age, uh, six or seven, but then was out of it for a while and then came back. But then um, probably when I was about 18, I started collecting, I, I bought my very first movie poster, which was Sharky's Machine, actually, and uh, which I still have. And I've been collecting, well, ever since, so well over 20 years. And I, I, I came across some really great buys recently. And, uh, you know, just because I might even put, you know, just a couple of pictures up on the website, you know, just, just, because why not you know yeah why not we are you know we talk about film and i collect a tremendous amount of stuff related to film so i've had some really good buys lately uh from various auction sites so that's good news you know my autographs and stuff like that and yeah sheets and lobby cards and press kits and stuff like that i know you found a site you like yeah emovieposter.com uh, absolutely brilliant place. Love it. You know, I knew about it for years and never bid anything on for anything on there, and I've been kicking myself ever since. Is that the one you showed me, Nick? The um, auction, the auction site. Yeah. Well, where I bought that lot of autographs over the holidays. The yeah. Blake Stevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. All right. Uh, that's a guy. I looked at that. I've that's good. I've been going to it for for years, and um, I I never registered, you know, and then. And then Dud. So then when I went back and searched their uh, archive history, which goes back to like 1999, 2000, and I see all of the amazing, you know, the several hundred thousand of things that have sold on there, and for the prices, oh man, I just kicked myself. But <laughs> um, and you know what I love about that is there's no sniping because it's just like a real auction. It's not a time driven. If you get down to the last second, somebody's you know outbids you by a buck. Then it goes into extra time. You got another five minutes to respond. So it's just like a real auction. You can look back at the other bidder, sort of like telepathically, <laughs> and be like, "All right, I'm out." You know. <laughs> right. So that's what I love about it. Cool. Let's move to principal photography. Sound good? Great. Great. Uh, works for me. Welcome to Principal Photography of episode number 17. We are going to talk about film theory today, which, um, I'll be honest, this is my idea, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I don't know how we're going to tackle this exactly, but uh, I think that it's it, we're going to have an interesting discussion. I know that um, we have some similar opinions here, mm-hmm. but I think what we'll do is go through an overview of, you know, kind of 
maybe our own relationship to theory and uh, kind of it's this is kind of a is it is it worthwhile what good is it you know what's mm-hmm. it for you know sort of discussion I guess maybe in a way um, I think people who will be interested in this would be um, you know not only people who are interested in film theory already but maybe um, like graduate student new graduate students or people who are uh, wondering kind of what it's all what this theory thing's all about um, and our academic friends of course so uh, that said uh, I don't even know where exactly to begin with this i guess i could well you know y- yeah but i mean like kind of it's usually like just this just occurred to me the very second you said i don't know where to begin and i immediately thought of like almost all of our those of us in the humanities usually our first like comps that is comprehensive exam question is usually sort of like the the roundhouse of what is what is theory? What is critical and cultural theory? How does one you know what is the, how does one differentiate between it? What 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 is it used for? You know and um you know which is you know it's it's indicative of the comps process so that you have a, an understanding of what you're doing. Um, but I mean that might be a little too broad. But because when you said how do we start, I'm thinking. Film theory is theory, and it crosses so many different spectrums of philosophy, and and you know from basically you know back to Marx and Hegel, or well even you know you know Aristotelian, Platonic. I mean it, I mean we we borrow from everybody, so it's like where do where do we start? You know, in the Greco-Roman a, tradition, <laughs> or do we? Right, right. Well, I gave a um the, when I teach intro to film every semester, I do a theory lecture, and um this semester. I decided to, you know, and I always am trying to figure out a film to screen. And this semester I, I jumped in and, and showed uh, Slavoj Žižek's Perfect Guide to the Cinema. Mm-hmm. And that was um, a really nice primer to theory, um, especially for people who have not done it before. You know, when, you know, my students were really blown away, for example, when, you know, Zizek is basically talking about what, you know, the birds and the, the, mm-hmm. the, sexu- the sexuality and the mother and the, the, the Oedipal uh, implications that are going on there. So when, you know, when you, when you start there and you start just taking practical, you know, practical examples of this is an application of this or this is an application of this, I, I talk about how hostile is this, you know, man, kind of manifestation of, of, of capitalism in its, in its worst way about how Americans lust after capitalism but don't like it so much when it works against them like it does in hostile. So, <clears throat> excuse me. When you when you take practical examples of you know of, of applying theory, I think that's a good place to start. When discussing it with people who don't necessarily um, have have the background. I mean, it, it, I don't think it would be fair or even um, smart to just jump in and say, you know, Bazan and Eisenstein and 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 Zizek and Lacan and the Mirror Stage and all, all of these things because it's going to completely go over their heads. They're not going to get it. But when you start Talking about specific examples of theory, saying, "Okay, you know, you don't know what the you know the the edible is, or you don't know what um, you know uh, Marxist representations are in in a, in a cinematic context." Well, you know what? Here's an example of it. I, I've had the exact opposite experience when 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 Pervert's Guide first came out, which was what 2006, I think. Yes, I was one of the few people I know that had a copy of it. And uh, it was like a new toy. I'm like, oh, this is great. So I brought it into several intro to film sections. 
but they were pretty alienated by it because of you know I mean Lacan, you know Zizek's a new Lacanian and and he you know he frames everything through this heavy sphere of Freud and Lacan and and you know he uses a lot of thirty cent words that to the average eighteen year old even though Chris you're talking about practical examples I would show like the psycho you know part where it talks about the you know the the main floor, the upstairs, and the basement representing the three parts of the, the, the you know, our, our conscious, our, right. our ego, superego, and super it, and stuff like that. And and, that. You know, I would show the stuff from the birds, but I didn't get the sense they were really grasping it, you know, 80 freshmen, basically. I got the idea that they were kind of getting it, and I thought, you know what, I think, I think I'll save this for, like, intermediate and upper-level courses. Yeah, even, you know, I remember... When I started grad school, maybe we could. This would be another way to start because, like, I don't know. Like, let me back up a little bit. The uh, as far as teaching theory, I don't do a whole lot of that in my intro classes. Um, I'll do. Uh, I'll show them rear window and do like a. I'll rehearse the Laura Mulvey argument. You know, I don't make them read it. I, I have. I have made them read uh, Laura Mulvey's pleasure in the, whatever it's called, uh, visual pleasure. Visual pleasure in narrative. How could you? Yeah, visual pleasure. Thousand lashes for Doctor Marshall. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, but I'll. I don't make them read it anymore, but I'll re- kind of rehearse the argument to talk about like here's how you might apply a theory to a film, or how you might use a theory to understand a film or or film in general, and that usually opens up into a broader discussion of feminism and and other things and the male gaze and stuff like that. Right. But um, seems like you need like that ideology chunk first before you even get to that, you know? Yeah, yeah, maybe, but. Um, I remember starting grad school. I don't know about you guys. I started uh, graduate school in uh, in 1999, yeah, and for me. okay, so same time. And we all we all. How about you, Chris? I started grad school in um, 2004, so okay. I, I I came along later. I actually um, got my bachelor's in 1999. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Um, so. And I remember starting, I remember, you know, for me personally, I came to graduate school because I like to teach and um, I like the idea of research, uh, which, you know, is perfect for the profession, obviously. And I I had been teaching high school at the time and uh, all three of us love film. This is why we went into film studies, obviously, right? Um, I was in the English department. You guys were in the communication department, but essentially we had more or less the same curriculum, right? Basically. So I had been exposed to some theory as an undergraduate in some of my upper level film classes. Right, uh, we read Mulvey. I think we read, um, we read some Zizek actually. Um, some other things. I don't, I, don't, I can't recall at the moment. The, the staples in the, the Oxford uh, collection, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, that, I mean, that thing. So I have so I'm looking up at my bookshelf right now, and the I have Broadway, so many. Yeah, yeah the Brody and Cohen. Mm-hmm. I have so many different versions of that. So yeah, mine's so, yeah. The Christina cover. From like yeah, I should I should 90s. bring it I should bring it down. Uh, so um, so yeah, and then I think my first intro to like my grad studies in film, we went through a lot of that. You know, we did the uh, we did Bazan, we did Krakauer, we did uh, Eisenstein, and, and and a lot of that stuff. But I remember. You know, it was hard to grasp as a graduate student at first, right? A lot of it. Um, some was, some wasn't, right? Sure. Right. So to to expect undergraduates to understand it, I mean, I, I they should be introduced to it, I suppose. But I mean, it took me took me a long time to kind of get my head around it. I thought it was great. You know, it, it seemed really interesting, and you know, people were kind of 
you know, playing with with really cool ideas, and 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 you know, I began to learn how political a lot of it can yeah. be, and uh, and stuff like that, and 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 I thought that was really, it I guess, cool. Lock a lot of doors of the mind, mm-hmm. you know. And, yeah. Um, and think about new ways. I mean, which is what theory is supposed to do: uh, it show you abstract and uh, oblique angles with which you can cover an object and look at it completely differently and I mean it's it's sort of just it's almost just for precision of thought yeah there we go <laughs> what do you got Mildred Pierce there and I've got I think mine's Queen Christina um, that which, was, which book is that Nick? Or, is Eric? The film, the film Theory and Critics Cohen, Roddy no. Cohen is the one I had in. oh yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I've yeah. got that uh, somewhere somewhere up there yeah let me see if I can grab mine okay so anyway for our audio <laughs> listeners I'm showing the book that I have but anyway Nick you were saying well just you know it, it, I mean that is the purpose of theory in many ways it's not only just a lens to sort of like magnify an object that you're studying whatever that thing may be an idea or a building or a song or a poem or a film but also just I think it's just uh, it's exercise for the mind it's you know like really industrial strength chewing gum to, you know, <laughs> sort of, and, and I mean it's supposed, to, true. supposed to train the mind in many ways and a lot of like you said Eric a lot of theory we sort of just grasped and, and got around to but there's a lot of theory, yeah, that was just like, especially when you got into French continental theory, you know, I mean, it was kind of right. Derrida. you know, it, it was like, you know, you wanted to like chew the book with your teeth because you're just like, what the, you know, what, why, yeah, that was the old joke, you know, in grad school, why don't they just come out and say what they're trying to say? And then your professors would say, well, that would be too easy. You know, <laughs> that, of course, is not the point of it there. I remember when, when Bob Burgoyne had me read um, Frederick Jameson's um, uh, political political economy, um, which was a, a total mindfuck of a read. Um, you know, nowhere in that entire body of work was any sort of anything regarding any type of a thesis statement. I mean, he just builds layer upon layer a very complex argument. And uh, I had to get a lot of secondary literature to to figure out what the hell he was trying to say. But when he got a, when I got it, it was a fantastic aha moment, and it was it, it, it useful. You know, I think there was a lot of it took a lot of time before I could wrap my head around a lot of it and I feel like I think graduate students particularly go through phases you know I think you go through a phase at the very beginning where you're kind of lost um, trying to figure out what's going on that lasts maybe a semester or two and then you get I'm not saying that we we all did this of course but you know you, you see general it around phases. Yeah, yeah, general phases and then you get to the point where you're beginning to grasp it and you're kind of you find a few theorists that you like and you kind of start spitting jargon, right? Like you, you understand pieces of it, but you haven't maybe you haven't had the time or experience yet or even the context of, of the theory. Because that was my problem too is that what's the context of all this writing? Like who is writing before and after? Who are they? To whom are they responding? Right. Stuff like that. But you start kind of spouting jargon a little bit. Maybe you misuse things a little bit. You know, you oh, yeah. find, you know, theories that you like. Um, and then you hopefully get to a phase probably around comps where you really start to begin to understand it and integrate it into, into your own writing if you're an academic as an academic. Um, and then I, you might go through a phase then where you, where you hate it and you know, you're very, very critical of it, I think. Um, and, and for me, the, one of the turning points to this realization was I, I always felt like everybody around me knew more than I did in graduate school for a long time. I don't know if you guys had the same feeling. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. 
people have been class talking about Marx and talking about you know Deleuze and all this stuff, and I'm like, wow, man, I'm I'm lost here. I'm gonna this is gonna be go home and you read appropriately wielding their new thirty cent words. Yeah, right. Well, My, most a lot of times that was what was going on for sure. And you know, I go home and read for hours and hours trying to catch up and trying to fill in my knowledge and stuff like that. But for me, the turning point was I went to uh, the school for criticism and theory. Uh, which is kind of we call it theory camp. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at Cornell University, and they do it every summer. And it's it's people from all kinds of different fields and literary theory, cultural theory, things like that. Um, I was one of the only film people, but I remember getting there, and these people from all over the continent, all over the world, actually. There was a Dutch woman, there was an Indian person, um, and they come. It's about eighty people, maybe divided into four classes and I remember sitting in class and like same thing like oh my gosh I am like out of my element here but then after a while I started to realize in this super intense environment I started to realize people have their pet theories you know like no matter what the discussion is you know John over there would turn it to a particular segment of like Marx, Marxist theory that he had kind of uh, down, you know, that was his thing. And then, you know, and then, you know, Edith over here would have, you know, every time we talked about something, it would go into whatever post-colonialism or whatever. Like everybody had their little thing and they would just steer the conversation into that, you know, yeah, no, uh, no, queer yeah. theory, whatever yeah. it was. And I was, like, to- <laughs> yeah, and I was like, yeah, I was like, it's not that they know everything. It's just, they know, they know something really well and they, and everything is through that filter, you know, and that's, and that was really relieving for me, actually. You know, I was like, oh, okay. Not that that, what, you know. As you it, say this. Took the stress off. As yeah. you say that, Eric, and I think Chris should, should join in if he can, if he can remember the precise, precise moment. But as you relayed that story, I recall my moment where I had some clarity regarding theory. And it was at, we were all there. It was at SCMS Chicago in 2007. Mm-hmm. All three of us were there. And I had, um, you know, I had gone to, you know, and for those of you graduate school, graduate students, you know, when you go to your conferences, you're going to see a lot of graduate students posturing and, you know, and, and throwing a lot of jargon, heavily, heavily laced with jargon papers around. It's sort of like a rite of passage, you know. I didn't, I never really did it myself. I, I would try to use theory judiciously, I suppose, you know, like if it fit. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, I, I remember I, sort of a wand chooses the wizard type of a. <laughs> uh, approach, you know, and that That's was great. from Bill Trapani. Bill didn't use the Harry Potter thing, but he said, "Don't find a theory to fit your what you're trying to say. You know, what you're trying to say will find its theory. You know, it's yeah. sort of like it's, and um, but we were there, and you know, you, you go to like these 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 panels, and you know, uh, the younger graduate students are clearly we're trying to find their way. So you're saying, you know, these big long papers, and you're they're very dense and you know you're tuning out and it's like you know like listening to Greek or Latin and then I went to see um, Akira Lippet uh, mm. speak uh, he's he, he was with at USC yeah he was I think director of film studies at USC then still is I'm pretty sure um, and Akira had nothing in front of him he just got up and spoke quietly and calmly and hypnotically Without like using, I mean, he is he, he. What he was talking about was theory informed, but he just, you know, he spoke so beautifully, and I was so transfixed that I suddenly realized that was my moment where it was like, you know, the it's the mature, confident scholar that just speaks in plain English, and it's the uh, the younger graduate student who's who's timid and afraid and trying to sort of like 
um, sound, and, sound, 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 sound impressive. Sound like what they're talking about that sort of like hides behind theory and, and jargon, you know? No, I, I agree with you. And, and my, I, I kind of had a couple of moments like that. Um, you know, I, I came to grad school kind of in a similar situation as Eric, where, um, my bachelor's is not in, in film or communicate or even in the humanities. My bachelor's is in the sciences. Um, and, uh, so when I decided to go to film school and, and follow what I truly loved, uh, rather than spin my wheels in engineering, no pun intended. Uh, I mean, I had taken a couple of film classes before and then I, I, my first semester of my master's program, uh, just because of the fact that I went ahead and scheduled myself, I took an upper level synth- uh, upper level doctoral class. So I, I took a cultural historiography of the media class. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, here I am, you know, first semester master student, and we That'd read. Be Marcus, Ed- right? It was Marcus, and we we read Edward Hallett Carr's What Is History and uh, uh, Foucault's Archaeology of Knowledge mm-hmm. within the first couple of weeks. And I'm thinking, what the fuck am I? What the <laughs> fuck did I get myself into? And then, you know, of course, and the schedule was a book a week. So, you know, over the course of the semester, we're reading 13 academic books from university presses that are three to 400 pages long. And, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm very happy about the fact that I actually pulled an A minus out of that class. I'm not quite <laughs> sure how, but yeah, you know, I, I just, at that point I said, okay, I'm obviously in over my head to a certain extent. I'm going to learn every single thing that I can as much as I can. I, I basically spent the rest of my master's reading just everything I could get my hands on theoretical, which probably was, you know, it was a good idea in certain ways and not a good idea in others. Um, and then as I went and took other classes, I, I did take a class with Bill Trapani and, um, I, I took a rhetoric class with him, and it it, w- it was like the clouds lift. You know, everything parted. You know, the skies parted, and he was able to explain it in a way Bill that was always uh, really good at that. Oh, it was great, and he was able to wait to explain it in a way not not necessarily explain the theory, but explain how to how to read the theory yeah. mm. in a way that was like, oh my god, I that that makes I can do that. It makes perfect sense, and. Uh, I've carried kind of that strategy to pretty much everything that I've read uh, since that time, since graduate school. It's, and it's, it's, I don't want to say it, you know, and, and yeah, of course, you know, a lot of this stuff, you, you read a thousand plateaus or cinema one and you know, that's, that's pretty dense material mm-hmm. or even limited ink, but um, just the, the, the way of approaching theory, um, you know, it, it, it really helped. So it was kind of my, I had multiple aha moments throughout grad school. Um, yeah, and that's just because of coming. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a, it's it a training a wheels. It's a training wheels thing, you know. And eventually, when we're when we're done, um, I think ultimately we can we can speak in, in plain English, but we've absorbed all this to the point where we can, you know, apply it. Uh, you know, when and where appropriate, and and, right. and and find different ways of interpreting, um, you know, different things, it's, uh, but it's, you know, within within the specificity of cultural context. Right. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it, Nick. Um, and, you know, that goes back with the wand thing you were talking about earlier too, because, you know, it it does give us theory generally it gives us different ways to see things. Mm-hmm. Right, it gives the tools with which to analyze and interpret uh, text in our case, it's film text mostly, um, and that's good, right? That's a good thing because it helps us see things differently, and 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 you know some of it might even 
indirectly affect change you know, you know and some on some level at least but then there's there's also the flip side i think of like you're talking about plain english the the inaccessibility of the language a lot of times mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the things that turns people off of film theory um, and understandably, I think, to, to a large extent. Uh, I think that if people want to understand film or, or literature or whatever it is, and they pick up you know, some of the more theory-heavy stuff, they'll be like, what the hell am I reading? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and uh, the best writers, I think, can, can kind of do both. You know, kind of plain English and, and theory speak. Or depending on, it depends on the audience, obviously, sure. as well. But Obviously, my book is is written in that way. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, I've decided to write it for mainstream accessibility, mm-hmm. but it's also it's you know it, it, there's a lot of heavy cultural studies jargon in it, but nothing mm-hmm. nothing ridiculous. I mean, right. um, and I agree with you, Eric. Like you know, students may be initially alienated by a, a word they don't know, but it's like, mm-hmm. hey, man, you know, when I was your age, I had to go grab a dictionary and look it up. I mean, <laughs> that's why, and that's exactly what I tell students. Do it on your damn phone. You know, add more words to your adding more words to your vocabulary is not a bad thing. Now, if, you know, but then of course there's a danger of overstatement. If you're just gonna yeah. be reading something, you know, I, I'm trying to remember some of the like most difficult stuff I read. But you know, where I would read a paragraph 17 times and go, "What the hell is you know, Dacer Toe trying to say here?" You know. Yeah. I, I just picked up uh, David Harvey's "The Condition of Postmodernity." I'm mm-hmm. I'm open to a random page. Okay. This is totally random. This is the middle of a paragraph on page 113. The meta-languages, meta-theories, and meta-narratives of modernism, particularly in its later manifestations, did tend to gloss over important differences and failed to pay attention to important disjunctions and details. Postmodernism has been particularly important in acknowledging the multiple forms of otherness as they emerge from differences in subjectivity, gender, and sexuality, race, and class. That's pretty... Understandable, I, I think. I think all three of us right? get that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. that the, yeah. the average freshman would. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Right. So it's not just about words. I remember. I remember uh, reading Judith Butler's. Um, oh, uh, what oh, book was it? Take my noodle. She was one of the very first people I ever read. Now I consider her very accessible. But in the you do. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, I major, the major ones. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, major, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, ones. sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember reading. Um, it was. Um, Oh, I cannot remember the title of the book. But I remember there's a whole section on subjection and subjugation. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it was all about power structures and stuff like that. And it was early on. It was a 19th century literature course, mm-hmm. of all things. And I remember going, what? This is early on. What the hell am I reading? Yeah, same here. You know? And uh, our professor was, he got pretty frustrated with us, I think, because we weren't getting it, you know? But it was like subjection, subjection. I mean, I wish I had that with me. I could read some of that. And and um, I remember seeing her speak at the School for Criticism and Theory and going, what am I listening? I could not, I just, like, it's just, I want to get into that maybe a little bit later, the spoken stuff versus written stuff, you know, in terms of, because you mentioned conferences earlier. But, you know, I think some of that, I mean, looking up words is one thing, but some of this stuff is really kind of, oh, man, it's out of reach, but it's not meant for, you know, it's it's meant for other academics most yeah, of it's the not, time. Yeah, it's not meant, it's not meant for, for freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But, you know, the, the other right. thing, though, that, that I think is worthy of mentioning, though, is because of the fact that, there is so much out there that is so dense and it's meant for, for uh, academics is the fact that you have all this secondary literature out there. Like Nick, you were mentioning how yeah. you turn to the secondary literature for, for Jameson. I remember 
when Nick recommended that I get a book called, um, I think it's called A Dictionary of Critical and Cultural Theory. And oh, yeah, he said, the Blackwell. Yeah, yeah the Blackwell a, book. And he said, get this, book, get this for your comps, and you'll you know, get this for your comps, and get we'll this for your dissertation. <laughs> That's a really good um, book. And I remember I, I picked it up on, on, on Half.com, and my God, that, that book saved my ass in yeah. comps in my dissertation. Yeah. I turned to it all the time. <laughs> yeah. and it's it's such a great book. So you have all of this secondary literature, then you have the um there's a series from I wanna say it's from Oxford called um you know, an introduction, a little introduction, or a guy, a little guide. I think that's something like that. These these little books. Oh, those and, are great, yeah. And yeah, it, it introduces you to Lacan, to postmodernism, to <laughs> the Russian Revolution, yeah, all the, with all the little cartoons in them. Those are great. Those well, help, yeah, those the, help the, tremendously. The cartoon books, and then there's another series though that yeah, that has little books, the little um, books, okay, uh, the ones, yeah. With the, they call it a concise introduction a concise to something or other. Introduction to something, yeah. yeah, to some topic. You know, so there's a lot of secondary literature out there, and then I, I tell my students, you know, Google something if you know <laughs> if you if you want to know what it is, uh, and you want to look at the secondary literature. And even Bill told me that, you know, Google, look at the secondary literature. So I think at this point in time, there is so much other stuff out there that can help explain what some of these people are trying to say. That I mean I don't I don't want to say there's no excuse, but you know if if you don't get something go and 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 pick up another book go 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 and get the little comic book you know that that explains this is this is what the fuck Marx is trying to say or Foucault well, I mean I'm, I, that, you, that, you that know, I'm gonna piggyback off something you just said Chris which is I've got like two two main comments I want to talk about in you know in this episode and the first is I do it's funny you just said uh, Marx I do want to um, I do want upper-level courses at universities to be more theoretically rigorous, um, because it's. It, it's I agree. It's really matter, you know. And an intro to film, you're being taught how to read a film, and then you know, um, you know, as you start taking history courses on film, and you're now you're putting them in context, and and then you, you start going up and you start doing criticism and evaluation and objectively looking at texts and things like that. And by the time you get to I'll give you a couple examples. In the cult movies class I taught a couple of years ago, the cult movie reader that I used, the first half of the book was dedicated to a lot of Oxford, Oxford, a lot of Frankfurt School theory. Mm-hmm. Now, um, for the listeners not familiar with Frankfurt School theory, it's it's like you know, in, 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 it's uh, one of your first you know destinations in looking at uh, 20th century philosophical thought. Um, and it's an incredibly important body of work. And um, so they had to read it. And they um, had a hard time with it, you know. Uh, and I'm talking about, like, you know, Benjamin and, and Adorno and Horkheimer and stuff. That's not that Oh, hard. classic stuff. Yeah, yeah standard I mean, stuff. Stuff that's like, I mean, if you invest some time and really read it, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not that, that bad. Hard. It's, 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 it's accessible. And they they really struggled with that. And then just you know recently in the film noir class, I brought up auteur theory, and uh, you know some people were were skeptical, you know, not skeptical, sketchy on auteur theory. And this is a five thousand level class or five hundred level class, depending on where you're at. And so I you know went into a little primer on auteur theory, and and you know auteur theory is actually one of the most easily digestible you know things in the world to anybody i mean it gets complicated as you, you know, as you go up the ladder but 
I guess I'm saying all this because by the time I get the students, I want them to have some some training in you know at these upper level courses at looking at these films from like I said earlier, various oblique angle a angles so that we can sort of gently start to tease out of them um, different articulations because I mean you can't just read the film as a film. you have to read the film as many things simultaneously. And by the time they get to me in these upper level classes, I want them to have the training to be able to do that and not start from scratch. And I think any professor would say the same thing. Can you imagine Kirsten? Kirsten would be all <laughs> send us all home if we didn't come prepared, you know? Right. No, I, I agree with you. And and when I when I took Marcus's class, um, you know, that that's part and I think that's part of the reason why the class started out with like eighteen people and went down to like seven. <laughs> It, you know, you get frustrated because pe people, you know, and this is a 7,000. Were, uh, were there, uh, were there um, undergrads in there too, like seniors? No, 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 no. This was, this was like upper 7,000 level, okay. PhD level class. And, um, you know, you'd get frustrated sometimes because of the fact that the conversation wasn't where he thought it should be mm -hmm. for, for that level of, of, educational yeah. development you know when you when you get to ha upper level phd you should be able to to to, to be able to talk about this stuff or just um, yeah, if you're taking a special topic sort of senior level course and you've taken all these film courses and you've dedicated yourself to studying the discipline certain things like you know ideological theory you know or not ideological theory, theory. Not, genre theory yeah but i mean the, the apparatus, apparatus theory. of idea the apparatus theory but, you know these things should be words that have crossed your you know, when I was teaching television criticism, a 3,000 level class, I laced it with theory, you know, because that book that Anna Marie gave me uh, was um, uh, the BFI cultural studies book on television with Buffy on the cover. That was the best book ever. And it was Toby Miller edited it, you know, and it was just like, oh, of course. Like absolute genius. It's, you know, like I love that book so much. And it was like so theory friendly, but so full of theory. Oh, I like that, you know, so theory-friendly but so full of theory, chock full of theory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. The, the Kirsten that Nick mentioned was Kirsten Thompson, who was formerly of Wayne State, and uh, we all know her as being a very rigorous, uh, I guess, theoretician, or at least somebody who... <laughs> but, I know, but she, brilliant. I know, yeah, I don't think she's a theoretician, but she um, had a very, very good handle on theory and expected her students to, to, to do the same. She's very rigorous. Uh, about that, and understandably so. But I'd say, like Nick, if with students coming into a 500 level class, if the prerequisite is intro to film, I know if they took my intro to film class, they're not going to know apparatus theory. Mm -hmm. They're not going to know. They'll know auteur theory. They'll have at least heard of it. Mm -hmm. If they, yeah. they even if they haven't like digested the the primary text, right? They'll yeah. know. No, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, they'll know some psychoanalytic theory through the Mulvey that I mentioned earlier. Um, Will they, but I mean, will they know any more than that? Not much, you know, because I'm not, that's not the focus in the intro. I mean, yeah, that's not, that's not really what I'm saying, though. Okay, yeah, but there should be a willingness mm -hmm. on, on to, to, if you're going to take an upper level film class, there has to be a willingness to, to read that stuff and to read it actively and try to figure out what it's saying. Right, rather than show up to class and expect, uh, you know, the 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 instructor to explain it all to you, I suppose. But I think with with film theory, I there's always this. Um, I'm gonna play. I don't know, maybe devil's advocate a little bit. Um, 
you, you get this a lot from people who are um, filmmakers, you know, people who make films. They'll say, I you know, I know what you're going to say. Well, I don't know. What am I going to say? I'm not sure. I'm going. I'm not sure what I'm going to say. So go ahead, I, take it from I, me, please. Well, I my my thing in talking to people who have done film, war, film film arts, as, you know, as opposed to film studies, is that there is kind of an elitism with theory that some you know that 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 they can tend to eschew. Um, now, I mean, of course, I've talked to other filmmakers. Uh, and a couple, a couple of close friends of mine, and they've said they wish they had taken more film theory. Mm-hmm. But there, there is, I think, and I think this is with any discipline, but especially in the humanities, uh, when you get into things like film theory, uh, art, art history, art criticism, um, you know, there, there is this kind of elitism that comes along with knowing theory, spouting theory, discussing it. Um, that that can be exclusionary to people who aren't in the know. I agree with yeah. Chris, and and would add to that, and just sort of like couple along with that, that Eric might have been also thinking about saying something something along the lines of fallacy of intent as well. Which, uh, you know, like don't tell me what my film's about. You know, go <laughs> psychoanalyze yourself. I, or something like that. I wasn't going to say that, but that's a very good point. Oh, yeah, okay. there's there's that as well. well. Couple that with what but, Chris said, yeah, and, and yeah. there is a strong devil's advocate yeah. uh, point you're trying to make here. But yeah. that by the same token, well, you know, if I have a cult film reader and the first third of the book is de- is devoted to you know Frankfurt School of Thinking, then like you said, there has to be a willingness to engage with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and somewhere along their education, they should at least know base superstructure formulations. You know, I mean, I, we studied Marx in high school, so you know, <laughs> I mean, like they, 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 you know, because I mean, that's a foundation for and and so if they're gonna be if, if I'm gonna be like combing JSTOR for articles that help illuminate a film uh, and cast it in a different light, we all know that they're going to be theoretically informed at some level, very explicitly mm-hmm. or you know, latently in some in some ways, and so. The student needs to, you know, rise to the road that that they're raises before them. You know, otherwise they're gonna be lost. No, I I, I thoroughly agree, and I I and Nick, when you said that, it made me think of I I thought I heard somewhere or read somewhere in the the news or somewhere where a film theorist or a film critic had interpreted a. a a filmmaker's work, and the director kind of shot back and said, "You know, don't, don't tell me what my film's about. You completely misinterpreted. You missed the point." I can't remember what film or what the context inter- it was. Very famous exchange between Robin Wood and David Cronenberg at, at a Toronto Film Festival in the in the early eighties. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I'm familiar with that. Which I think I'm I cited more on Wood's side, actually, <laughs> and I love Cronenberg. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it's maybe it's that. But I, there was another more recent one that I was that I'm I'm thinking of. And if anybody who's listening to this can remember, um, they can they can let me know. Um, but you're right. Yeah, there's there you go. There's the Robin Wood David Cronenberg um, exchange. But there's, there's the yeah, it does, it does happen. Theory to to manufacture shit that's maybe not there you know and that's that's the other thing you have to be careful with it's mm-hmm. like are you are you hunting for meaning or are you are you sort of just uncovering it you know? sometimes a cigar is just a cigar yeah sometimes like you know somebody's somebody's you know i mean i hear you hear this all the time on the news or you you know 
somebody sees a film, some some I don't know helicopter parent is like, oh my God, this film's gonna destroy my child. And it's like, well, I don't really see it that way, and I think you're misappropriating whatever you know theory you're trying to invoke here to because you know you, whatever issues are going on in your head, whatever hangups you may have, and I mean that's that's a problem in cultural in general is that you know sometimes people will wield. Uh, the might of cultural studies or critical theory and go try and say something that you know you can't get the majority of your peers to agree with and then you need I think to reevaluate your thinking right yeah that's, a, that's an interesting point I think the uh, going back to the intent the, the, the intent of the author and all that it, it, it there is a tension often uh, between between an artist and, and, and an academic or someone who's trying to interpret a work. But, you know, I mean, I, of course, if you can support with evidence, mm -hmm. you know, and some theory, perhaps, you know, your, your analysis doesn't matter what the filmmaker says, what the artist says. We all kind of, I guess, know that to an extent, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. We're taught that at any rate, you know, it goes back to that, you know, that whole Woody Allen, uh, Chris, you're breathing really heavily into your microphone. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, you a, um, like, what is that? <laughs> I'm, um, still, I'm still awake. I'm, not, I'm, I'm still awake. I'm not having sex. I'm, See, I'm, we start talking about theory and everybody's falling asleep, man. It's terrible. Um, uh, oh, you mean the Woody Allen with the Marshall McLuhan? Yeah. I don't know anything about my work. You know nothing of my work, you know. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, we often probably take the side of the critic or the, uh, or the analyst. Um, I, I would say, but there's something about the language of theory. And if you read, even if you read, like, if you read Krakauer from the 20s, 30s, mm -hmm. 40s, um, mostly 30s, 40s of his, some of that's pretty dense, mm -hmm. you know, and it's very culturally specific and you have to kind of get it. If you read Bazin, kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. But once you get in the 70s with psychoanalytic film theory and, and forward into post-structuralism and all that, the, the language gets to be so incredibly dense, so mm -hmm. opaque that, you know, you're talking about students. I sympathize with students who, you know, who have to read, um, you know, this very opaque stuff that maybe they've never been exposed to before. And I think that some of that was, you know, you know there's a turn towards towards language as an object in itself and language as not just being expressive, but something that, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, it's not necessarily as transparent um, as as perhaps previous thinkers had thought. You know, I, I, I always felt like there is a kind of a, in the, in the humanities, I always felt like there is a kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a sense of inadequacy uh, with regard to our scientific brethren in the, uh, in, in the in academy. You know, I think that there's a, uh, especially since the, the, the 70s and certainly in the 80s, uh, dwindling funds for research um, in the humanities and social sciences, especially the humanities. And I think that you know, a lot of people felt like if we make it sound like science, you know, it, it will sound legitimate. You know, let's make it as inaccessible as possible because nobody can criticize it because they can't understand it. You know? <laughs> I, you know, I felt that way for a long time in graduate school. And then, you know, the turn to, to, to high theory, a lot of it to me was at the time, and even now, I, I just, um, I don't, I don't get it, and I think that there's a way to be 
expressive and uh and to communicate ideas that that doesn't necessarily uh do that and and i guess what i'm getting at is there's there are people that we know personally and that we read who are very theory minded are engaging in very very high theory um and very abstract thought who who manage to communicate something right that's meaningful and and right. useful right and there are a lot of people who don't. Don't. And you know what, Eric? I mean, that was when I said there was two things I wanted to address tonight. That was the second <laughs> one. Okay, good, good. Was that, uh, and I'll just reiterate it sort of from frame through my own prism, which is that I read sometimes people that, um, and sometimes, like you said, people I know, uh, that I, I often wonder if we saw the same film. <laughs> because I'll I'll look at uh, what they may write, you know, uh, in a, you know, some sort of social network uh, platform, and it's it's you know it it it's so informed by theory to the point that I don't you know the film is completely and totally lost in the paragraph that was written about it, and I'll say you know that's sort of like the 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 tail wagging the dog. I mean, it's a danger of overstatement to me of one thing weighing out the other to the point where it's like a 95% to 5% equation. Like, I don't <laughs> understand what they may be even trying to get at um, because, like you said, it's so opaque that I'm like, what? You know, like, okay, really? Gravity was about this? <laughs> you know, or whatever it may be, whatever the film may be. And and I and I say that with you know all of the all of the credentials of my education that I I, I can read a film, <laughs> but sometimes I look at these things and go, you know, I, I, so the retort from the person who may be writing it like, well, you just don't get it, you haven't read. That. I don't, no, 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 I get it. I just I don't I don't I don't agree I don't agree. You know, it's yeah, minimize, yeah, it minimizes the sort of like artistic integrity of the film to the point where it's just a plaything for someone's theory uh, toy. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So like, it's not about interpreting or analyzing or even appreciating the film. You're saying it's it's more about showing that you know theory and trying to play with your theory and yeah, right. So Heidegger, try to clear, yeah. you know, or or you know, like Gramsci would say, and it's like I don't give a fuck what Heidegger or Gramsci would say about this film. I mean, like, you know, if, if there's some sort of like uh, a, a parallel statement in their theory that really is appropriate, then yeah. But I mean, like, it seems like. Sometimes I read these 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 things and I go, you know, I saw the film too, and I may know the theory the theory that they're talking about, and I don't see the connection, and you know, because they haven't made it clear to me. What, mm -hmm. what well, I think that that's the writers, that's the right, the onus of responsibility then is if they're going to go that far and introduce something uh, very very obscure and trying to connect it even tangentially to the film that they saw or the film that they're talking about, then the onus is on them to make it clear. Because you're right. Then, then it just looks like they're fishing. Oh wow! Look at me. I can, I can apply Heidegger or Gramsci or Lacan to this film. Oh but wow! Many times I'm right on board with them. I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't, I, I hadn't thought of that. That's fantastic. But a lot of times I'm like, huh? What? You know, like this. You know, there is a film here too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes the uh, yeah sometimes the object of study gets lost. Yeah, exactly. in the in the in the theory language. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. I think that we were talking earlier about uh, graduate early graduate students kind of getting lost in jargon and just kind of spewing it at any you know at any opportunity. And I think that you know sometimes you don't outgrow that you know. And I think a lot of you know when it comes to academic writing, um, a lot of it. You need it to have 
tenure, to get tenure, right? And I think there are a lot of people who don't like to write, you know? Uh, and, and, you know, you have to publish something. And I think the, the pressure to publish as graduate students um, is is something that I think really hurts um, the field in general, you know, because we, we have to publish earlier and earlier, more and more, even to be looked at on the job market and I'm talking as somebody who has failed on the job market you know I have you know I've not landed a job and, and I, I quit trying um, for the last couple of years although I probably will start again next year but um, it's it, graduate students aren't prepared usually to write on the on the level that academic journals and 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 publishers want, but we're forced to do so mm-hmm. by the exigencies of the of of the of the system, right? And at the so, same the deep end. So okay. if you look, yeah, just one more thing. I was just gonna say, so when you pick up a, any journal, like a lot of times you're you're seeing stuff that's just it seems to be reaching, like like Nick was talking about, but on a different level. Chris, what were you gonna say? I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I I was just gonna say that at the same token, you know, while while graduate students are being told that, you know, it, it's kind of you know sometimes publishers are talking out of you know getting getting we're getting mixed messages because yeah. you have. You have you know schools and tenure and and job committees are saying we want to see you publish we want to see you publishing in these levels of journals. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time you have publishers who are saying well if you want a book if you want to be able to publish a book with us, it needs to be accessible. You yeah. can't it can't be laden I'm with all of this. That, yeah. Jar- yeah, Nick went through that when I went to a conference last year, and I was talking to them about publishing my dissertation. They said you know the one thing you have to remember is that. You can't, you can't publish this for such a specific audience. You you need to make this kind of uh, um, an educated audience, but one that's not going to be so specialized in your field that if you start, you know, that they're, they're going to completely be lost through most of it. I mean, my yeah, dissertation I mean, dealt with the, uh... genre, genre studies, genre hybridity, and music and and film music. Um, so I mean I, I I don't want to say I need to water it down, but I need to change you know change the language and 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 make it more make it accessible to a a wide audience of people, not just people who are academics and film studies, not just professors who are signing for courses, but people who say oh you know what I I'm really interested on reading about hybrid genres, um maybe I'll I'll look at this guy's book. I mean, yeah. the the film the the object comes first the theory comes second you know right um, yeah. at, at this stage of the game you know right um, and so you know if you want to use there are times when we look at something and we you know we we've, we've read a, a body of work by a body of scholars going back you know like we we joked about at the beginning of of uh, the podcast back to Greek and Roman times certainly. Um, I mean that is the foundation for all rhetorical analysis. Right. So, you know, it, it it it's you bring that to the table, so to speak, and when you look at a text. But it's a question of of not sort of like beating the object, whatever it may be, to death with the theory, but um, trying to heighten one's appreciated or new ways of seeing, new paradigms for for looking and and you know, and you, you, it may fail, it may not hold up, you know, it may. Mm. But it, it it it's it's worth the try because in the what is what it, what it, what it, oh gosh I'm well I was not a, a rhetorician by any training but there are the three phases of uh, what are they Chris the three phases of uh, of uh, investigation you know 
Protego, McFerio, <laughs> Investigo, or whatever they are. The, the three phases of investigation? Yeah, you know, there's like Protego, that sounds like Harry Potter spells. But like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like I know Investigo, what you're talking about, I don't remember. <laughs> I can't remember, that goes, I, I was not a rhetorician, but I mean, they have. I, I appealed, I, I mean, it's the three appeals is, is, is you know, yeah, the I'll, basis I'll look of, it up. Keep talking. is ethos, pathos, and logos. No, no, not that. No, no. Yeah. Well, what's your point, though? I mean, what's your, <laughs> I'm not sure where you're going with all this. Oh, but, no, I, that, my point was that it's, 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 don't reverse engineer it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and that is what. That's what's going on here a lot of the times. It's it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I just saw Nebraska, and I just read this piece by Plato. <laughs> what a wonderful marriage this is going to be. You know, I'm going to write this this journal article, and it's like, you know, take it easy, back up. Yeah. You know, like it's just you know, don't don't be so. And that's why that's what bothers me. I mean, it, when Bill told me a long time ago, like it'll just it'll come naturally. You know, like. Yeah. You'll, you you can wed a, a theory to a particular object to, yeah. to but but not don't force it. No, but but at the same token, if you happen to be reading something that happens to fit perfectly, there's nothing wrong with using it. I mean, I was reading an article in the it was either the New Yorker or the Atlantic, and it was talking about how about like how things go viral, and it cited ethos, pathos, and logos, which are you know the 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 appeals to. Uh, credibility and and logic and um, uh, and emotion. So, you know, you 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 you, which and you know, ethos, pathos, and logos have been pretty much around since rhetorical yeah, study. Exactly. I mean, I, Aristotle discussed them in the in in his rhetorics. So, you know, that was just the perfect application of. Discussing those that those those theoretical concepts because right. those pathos and logos are rhetorical theory, um, but it, you know it, it it just happened to work. So I mean I, I think it's okay if you say oh well I watch Gravity and I happen to read something on Plato by by Plato that is, is absolutely perfect. That's okay if it if it works. And yeah, what I'm saying is, but if you're trying to hammer it in, you're you're yeah, saying, well, yeah, it's such a stretch, or you need, you know, the the person who's going to be reading it has to be a scholar on Plato to know how to, how to read it and, and and be able to apply it to this film. Well, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, that's just going way too far. But if it works, it works. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes things just just work. A lot of people. Your really, your advisor will tell you whether it's that's a, a good match or not. Oh sure, oh absolutely, they they will, and sometimes yeah, and, and that's but that's also something you learn in grad school too. Yeah. You you learn where 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 how to make those matches, you know, your, uh, yourself through the through the process. I mean, a lot of people dismissed um, Hostel when it came out, but there's a lot of really um, interesting things going in that film that is so far beyond. Um, the 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 you know eyeballs hanging from their sockets. I mean, if you, if you're just reading in the film that way and saying, oh, it's it's a it's a bad film because it's it's torturing, or I don't like Eli Roth, or because it's just it's a stupid film, then you're you're you're, you're missing it. You need you know that film requires a very very deep reading, and you can you once you do that deep reading and uh, and apply the theory properly, you could you could get some good stuff. Yeah, I remember the first. Uh... This is just random, I guess, but um, the the one of the first papers I wrote that was um, somewhat um, theoretical or academic, and I was uh, you know I was a French major and as an undergraduate, and uh, we studied existentialism, and I loved I thought existentialism was awesome, and um, 
I got in this film class and we were watching a lot of film noir or some film noir and I did a paper on you know existentialism in in a lonely place or some, I think that was the, uh, the the paper and as an undergraduate I, I I'm proud of that paper I thought it was pretty good. So that's a mass and, made uh, heaven too. Yeah, right, and it worked. You know, it worked, and there were, there was other scholarship already on existentialism and film noir, so I could draw on that and stuff like that. You know, that worked out well. I mean, did it enhance anybody's life or help someone understand the film differently? Maybe. I don't know. Probably well, not. Certainly you. But, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's and that's thing. and that's part of it. Yeah, it's part of it is that you know writing is for is for writing is for the author, you know, to work things through as well, right? Mm-hmm. But all too often, I think you're talking about the object and the methodology. All, all too often, there's no object at all with film theory. It's not mm-hmm. about interpreting a film. It's about, you know, expounding on a, on a more grand theory as well. But it's, um, I, I, I'm at a crossroads in terms of this stuff because I don't know about you guys. I don't know how up you are on current scholarship, film scholarship. I don't know if you read uh, every article in every cinema journal that comes to your house or if you're, uh, you know, up on everything that's going on. I know I'm not. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know very many people who are. And I think that, you know, the trend right now is a lot of really niche kinds of stuff. Not niche the philosopher, but, like, like, you know, it's like, you know, post-colonialism and this one small film that no one's ever going to see and you know, or whatever you know is it's very like very niche driven stuff sure. and then um which is fine you know i think that exposure is part of the the work of an academic but you know i get a lot of stuff where i'm just like i don't understand what why why this was written in the first place you know yeah. that's not the rule that's i mean that's not all of it i mean but there's a lot of times where i'm where i find myself like you said, Nick, going, you know, this doesn't really elucidate a whole lot for That's me the, necessarily. Yeah, I'm glad you came you know? back to that because yeah. you know, as we as we wrap up eventually here, I mean that 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 ultimately is if I if I have a, a stick in my mud pie, that's it. You know, it's <laughs> like the problem I have is when um, I see sort of like a, an application of theory as some sort of like magnifying lens to a film or something like that, but it doesn't. It I, I fail to see. It doesn't, like you said, it's not elucidated. It's 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 just sort of like there's a film here too, and um, you know, and, and a film is a very complex organism in and of itself. It's a it, it is a sort of living, breathing organism comprised of all these major building blocks and protein and DNA, and it's got all these <laughs> all this stuff running through it. And you know, I mean, it it is it is the the whole of its constituent parts, and sort of like to. When you know when when that's lost in sort of a, a theoretical diarrhea, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I lose interest very quickly because. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Eric, you said something that was interesting. Uh, I actually do um, somewhat keep up with the journals. Uh, once a week, I uh, in the evening, I'll I'll take a couple hours and I'll I'll scan all the all the journals and and. Mm-hmm. And um, just to keep again, just to keep up with current keep literature. Because when we're trying yeah. to publish. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because I thought about you know I'll be looking through through all the titles and I'll you know I'll usually grab two or three articles per 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 issue, and, and then there'll be the, there'll be one or two articles that that they'll be writing on uh, on a film that is so so obscure uh, that yeah, I'm never going to see it. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are never going to see and it. And maybe you can even can't even find it. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I've I've done that where I, I've you know they talk about some film from 
uh, you know, by by a Lithuanian director that you know was 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 right. set in Chile. I'm like, oh, that 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 might be an interesting film. But but you try and find it. Oh well, you know, it was it was shown at Sundance on the the, right. the fourth day. Uh, and it disappeared. You know, and yeah, it, the yeah, good, good luck it. finding it. Yeah. yeah. So, at that point, why am I going to read the article if it's about a film that's so fucking yeah. obscure that I'm not going to? Be I'm actually to, to get it. I'm actually guilty of that. I uh, I wrote a whole chapter on station <laughs> on the uh, Peter Greenaway's Tall Slooper suitcases, which are oh, it's almost impossible to find, especially the second two. And uh, I yeah, had to do a lot of torrenting yeah, and stuff. That's a dissertation. Like, that's a well-known director, you know. Like I, yeah, I know exactly. It's a well-known director, like, but you get can't. A, an issue of Cinema Journal, and every single article in there is about you know uh, uh, an aspect of global cinema that is just completely you know there's there's nothing to to tie it, you can tie to it because it is on the real extreme sort of periphery of, yeah. of, of our Plus, time. Eric, that's your dissertation. Which is great. I mean, no, I mean, it I is my dissertation, idea, but, I did, but there's, there needs to be balance, you know. But right, yeah. I did, it's well, it is my dissertation, but I did submit that, you know. But it is one of those things where like nobody can really test what I'm talking about because it's very it's so difficult to find the to find those films, sure. you know. And you're right, Greenway is well known, but those but those uh, those movies certainly are not. I think some of the best film theory that I've read is actually in fiction. In a fiction, uh, in fiction, you know, I think that uh, fiction writers, when they when they turn their the, their minds to film, if they're if they're versed in it, are really good. I think I'm thinking about like um, David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest. You oh, know, yeah. it's a piece right, of literature right. and fiction, but there's really so much film thing. theory. There's so much film theory in there that you know, you could look at that as a work of film theory. You know, one of my favorite books in the last several years is uh, Jonathan Lethem's Chronic City, mm-hmm. and I think that Chronic City, if you read it as as media theory, it does more work theoretically than than a lot of books I've read on uh, you know in theory uh, things like that. And you know, one of my one of my favorite books. I think every grad student should read. Everybody should read this, but mm-hmm. every guy should read Herman Hesse's uh, uh, Magister Ludi, the glass bead game, uh, before they start grad school. I don't know if you guys have read it, but it's no. you know, basically no. it's this really, really elite society. What's the book? It's called uh, the glass bead game. It's called Magister Ludi. I'll, I'll link to it on the show notes, okay. but um, it's called the, the subtitle or the translation is the glass bead game. And there's this game with, that is played with glass beads, and it's played by this like super upper echelon of these practically monastic academics, and you have to do all this stuff to get, even get in there. And like, you read the whole book, and there's never really a clear explanation of no one really knows the rules. And like, the, it's played with um, poetry and with literature and words and language and stuff like that. And it's all about references to other things. And the entire game is references to works of art. Oh, but it's what's this? That sounds totally great. Rarified. It's been years since I've read it, and I hope that my uh, summary of it is is accurate. But you know, you read it, and 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 it's it's a critique of this kind of you know very rarefied uh, you know kind of. Um, referencing of other works, but so far removed from anybody's reality, right? No, I mean, I, that I, nobody can can get it. No one understands it. Like even the people who play the game don't understand the game. Eric, you I'm know, so and it's you very interesting. That up, man, because not only am I really interested in checking that out, although I haven't read a book in years, but um, a work of fiction. But um, 
the one that immediately popped into my mind when you said that, which you, you and I have both read, was Flickr. Flickr is a book that brings right. a, a tremendous yep. amount of like not only pop culture and, and postmodernism, but like history and theology and psychology and certainly behavioral psychology, <laughs> if, you, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, yeah, <laughs> into, yeah. um, into its, its folds and does it so seamlessly and beautifully. It's a, and, and sort of, you know, it's a, it's a, is that Theodore Rorschach's book? Yeah, yeah. It's a film that we've maybe referenced once or twice on here, yeah. a, a book, but, um, one of my all time favorite reads to my top. top yeah. And he's somebody too, that was really interesting. Uh, he just passed, I think a couple of years ago, but he, uh, he's somebody who's really interesting because he did a lot of academic work, yeah, a lot of nonfiction a academic right. and, and did fiction as well. And I think that he could marry the two and that, and that makes for a very different experience for the reader, I think. But yeah, it's a great book. Uh, you, you introduced me to that book actually. I, I did. I bought it for you on your birthday, I think. Yep. 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 <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, I agree. And it's a great read, everybody. If you guys like films, <laughs> you know, man, it's a, it's a film lover's delight. Another one is uh, Mark Z. Danielusi's *A House of Leaves*. If you guys have read I that, know, but been, no, I've been dying to for yeah, and, I mean, as well as *Zeroville*. Not, yeah, uh, yeah, *Zeroville*. Yeah, isn't that the name of it? Mm-hmm. The one mm-hmm. that uh, Shaviro had been talking about. With, so, mm-hmm. I'm dying to read that too. Yeah, that's interesting. Zeroville is really good. It's really interesting. Or uh, Jeter's uh, Noir is also another one that you know, not as theoretical, but it's you know, set. It's a science fiction film set in the set with this guy who who is basically a noir detective, and he sets his he has these implants or something, if I remember correctly, where everything's in black and white and looks like a noir film. And oh, wow. It's very really? wacky. Yeah, really wacky stuff. It's more about intellectual property than anything and else. House of but, Leaves is one of those books that cannot be really read. Digitally, correct. You need the you really yeah. need the uh, the actual yeah. copy of it. Yeah, for sure, because it's got some of it sideways, some of it's upside down. There are blank pages, uh, red and blue text as well as black text. It's kind of uh, difficult in ways, but it, but it works, you know. So. So I mean, that that to me is interesting. The stuff that pushes your understanding of of in this case film without getting so obtuse and opaque. You know, it's something that might have an audience because going back to the audience thing, I know we have to wrap up, but going back to the audience thing, you know, university presses are getting defunded. Presses are closing. Um, it's it's harder to it's harder to publish academically. And I think that what Chris was saying is right. I think that a lot of presses might be looking for more accessible books. Now, Nick, you naturally write in an accessible way and you use theory in a way that, that makes sense and, and is, you know, you explain it really well when you, when you yeah, write. I agree so with you. You're really good at that. Nick. Yeah. You're a natural for the, at that. It's, it's really, you, you do both very well and you, and you meld the two very well, but, but I think a lot of people don't <laughs> and won't or can't, you know, uh, for, for various reasons. And, um, you know, I, I wonder if there's more room for that, for creative theory. You know, another book that, you know, Steve Shaviro's Connected um, is another book that's not fiction, but it's, um, you know, it's like it, it's hard to explain, but he does this great thing. There's a lot of different theories, and he kind of puts them head to head in these, these very small snippets um, that it, it it's – not your typical theory book, but you read it and you're like, oh, he makes connections. It's called connected. You make the connections, and all of a sudden you've you've got these new understandings of a lot of the, um, you know, the things that he's talking about, or just because of the way he juxtaposes them, or the way he explains them. And some of them are, are references to fiction, and some of them are yeah. theory and and stuff like he's, that. He's brilliant. 
Mm-hmm. But this is but this work in particular, I think, is is something that's really it's more accessible, I think, in a lot of ways, and it's not. It, Shaviro it, wrote it. Yeah, Steve Shaviro. Um, yeah, it's called Connected. It has a subtitle. I can't remember the subtitle, and I don't have it in front of me. I'm sorry, but um, we'll link to it in the show notes at thatsarapshow.com. But um, you know, this is the stuff that I'm interested in. Is people who are going to go out on a limb and do things that are interesting and creative. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do theory and stuff like that, I want to see. I want to see more of that. You know. So, Indeed. I agree. That's, that's my wish, Sam. So should we wrap this up, guys? I think so. I, I think, think we've, so. I think we've beaten it. We've <laughs> well, like I said, like I said at the top, this is you know a ridiculous topic because it's so wide ranging and so kind of specialized at the same time. But I think we did an okay job with it. I and so I think, too. Um, I think later on, yeah, I think and later on, I think maybe we'll do. We should do. Uh, you know. Um, more specialized like psychoanalytic film theory or you know maybe if you want to i mean you know we can we can certainly open it up we'll see what our listeners want you know you can get uh you can give us some feedback at that's a rap show.com or on twitter at rap podcast we're on facebook uh remember rap has a w in it uh you know hit us up on facebook or on the website or on twitter tell us know, let us know what you want to hear um and uh Tell us if you think this is something worthwhile, because I have fun talking about this stuff. It's frustrating as it can be. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was such a major part of our our uh, our Jesuit training, as it were. <laughs> Jesuit, yeah. It, it sure. really was. It was well, it you know, the way that it. Jesuits are taught Latin, so that they can, you know, for for uh, <laughs> for, for precision of thought, in the same way yeah. that we were taught all this. You know, to read all this stuff, sort of just sort of like what did I call it earlier? You know, like really good chewing gum for the mind. Yeah, it's our own glass bead game for sure. Yeah. Our own glass bead. Yeah. Game. I like that. So yeah. I'm glad we did it. Yeah, I'll link all these things. Yeah, I'm glad we did too. So, um, you know, for that's a wrap. I'm Eric Marshall. I'm Chris Cullen, and I'm Nick Schlegel. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Stay warm. Cut. That's a wrap. Is it really? Oh my Is god! Is it really episode seventeen? Great. Jesus. Maybe I'm, wait. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Am I wrong? I think you're right. No, I think you're right. This is seventeen. Sounds more impressive than like sixteen or fifteen. Yeah, the prime numbers. You know, they always do. Prime numbers. The more prime syllables. numbers always sound more. Well, I think of where we're going to be. Yeah, at, syllables. You know, Seventy-seven. Yeah, that's not a prime number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sixteen was the canyons. Um, so this is seventeen. So. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'd be doubting myself.